Hello, everyone. Just a quick reminder that this is uh, part two of last week's recording, which is kind of why it starts mid-flow. Last week's episode was more about uh, the roundup of the season and what we did with each of the songs. This is a discussion of uh, Apathy Will Get You Nowhere, which is uh, the most recent album thingy that I released, and it features Roger asking some very intelligent questions and me being slightly bamboozled by the whole thing. Enjoy! So uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions about Apathy Will Get You Nowhere, which is your new album, which came out last week. Cool. And uh, and it came out on Bandcamp Friday, right? Yep. Yes, it did. Bandcamp Friday. Um, so, I mean, basically, I wanted to start with, like, the album kicks off with Get the Fuck Out, right? GTFO, yep. which is a pretty bold statement to start an album on. <laughs> And uh, I was just basically wondering how that sentiment sort of plays into the theme of the album. Like, is is the whole album about that sort of feeling of like wanting to leave a place, wanting to kind of like get out and start a new new life? Or how would you sort of summarize it? Uh, Basically, apathy will get you nowhere is about kind of like self-doubt, losing your direction, feeling apathetic and moving to try and combat that uh and gtfo was kind of i think we said this on the podcast before it was written about wanting to leave cornwall because cornwall can be a boring place to live like it's a beautiful place to visit it's got a fantastic history i love it to death but living there is just like such a (sighs) that's the only way i can like it, it can feel so limiting like a sort of small town mentality type of thing, or mm. right, and so like it's kind of like the in- the initial drive of uh, trying to be less apathetic and trying to be less uh, trying to take more direction and realizing that there's a problem. Plus, it's just designed to be an opener. Like, there's a reason it starts with that. Even on the demos, it starts with like that big series of G chords being strung out. It's like pay attention now, and that all starts on like the five, the, the five of of C, right? So just yep. G, G seven, just like building, 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 building until you got you go. I've got to get away, and then yeah, I just think well, like you say, it's kind of like an inbuilt opener, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's literally designed. It's one. Of, it's a song I normally play first at open mic nights because it's just uh, or like shows just because it's the thing of like okay are you listening okay cool let's get to the quiet bit and do the actual song now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like obviously musically it kicks off the whole thing the whole because the first track it kicks off the whole album with like this sort of you know listen up sort of thing but were it about something lyrically do you think it would sit somewhere else on the album or does it like set the, the whole tone does it like start the story so to speak of the album um the album doesn't have a story so much as that uh, the idea is kind of like the songs are on each half of the album are sort of the songs on the first half are more about Cornwall and the songs on the second half are more about Bristol or the things that happen to me in each place uh, and 
seeing as it's about like feeling tired of Cornwall wanting to get out, um, the only places it could go are either the beginning to kick off and like say, I've got to leave, or at the end of side one, which mm. is, is too late for it, really. Right. Because uh, the whole point, the thing of the chorus as well is like, I'm terrified to live my life and everything. I'm terrified to do this, that, and the other. So there's this sense that nothing has happened yet. Whereas if you put it at the chorus, uh, at the uh, end of the first half, mm. at that point, you've got uh, the implication that despite all of the rest of Side 1, nothing else has happened. Yeah, no, totally. I think it sits in in the right place. I was just curious about that. And it's like, sequencing-wise, I mean, I mean, we've known each other for ages, so I know this, but you're a really big vinyl fan. And I noticed you were saying, like, side one and side two. So so is side one based in court? Like, let me put it a different way. Is side one of Apathy Will Get You Nowhere based from the perspective of someone who's living in a place they want to get out of, and then side two is based on, like, I've moved away, and here's my perspective now? Or is it something a little bit different than that? You've pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, the um, there's a couple of uh, exceptions, but um, the general moods of the songs on the first half are about, like, small-town mentality and wanting to leave, and... Second half is like, once you've got to where it is you're going, how do you actually feel about everything? Mm, mm. So, the ones that are written about Cornwall, were they all written in Cornwall? Uh, no. Um, and there are some songs on side two that are about Cornwall, but they're about Cornwall from a different perspective. And there are songs on the first half which kind of weren't initially about Cornwall but they kind of have moods and uh, sort of ideas that fit into that really well at least to me they do Uh, Mm. but there are some that were written in Cornwall like uh, I think about half the songs are from quite a while ago when we were still doing these uh, based in Cornwall so GTFO is one uh, Sky's Close to the Ground is one uh Redman Barry was written in Cornwall. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, one thing I really like about the way you wrote this one is that each song fits on it, on the album. I won't say narratively, but just in terms of like the general themes of, of what you were trying to convey. So, like, the songs are written over like quite a broad span of time. And so you must have been like sitting on songs for ages before you finally went right time to record them. Was there like a, a worry in your mind of like, of like, I, I don't know, um, I don't know, a desire to, to put a newer song on there instead of one of the ones you've been sitting on? Or, or oh, did totally, you feel. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. I've had this conversation with you. Like, there are a few songs from uh, a couple of runs ago back in the before times where we could still meet each other face to face. Uh, for example, Siege of Wuthering Heights from a while ago. Uh, that was originally going to go on to the Bristol side. Um, mm. But um didn't end up working out that way because it didn't quite fit. Uh, 
but it, generally i'm kind of happy with the songs that have ended up on there like they feel like the most relevant to the idea of like losing direction and then moving to try and get it back i see that makes a lot of sense and slightly a different tack to that um i was wondering like how was it for you taking these songs from demos to fully produced with drums and guitar overdubs and all these different things like because this this is your like you put out an ep last year the captive audience ep but like this is your first you know solo lp that's like a full full length thing so how was it taking them from demos to uh fully produced and like what did that look like for somebody who like has never produced a record before like how would you describe it to them um uh it's kind of just add more electric guitars onto everything um (laughs) it's a difficult question to answer from the perspective of uh having not done it before because i've been like recording like we just demonstrated on episode 100 like we've been recording bits and pieces of our own uh and like building them up even if we weren't going to show them to anyone for ages you and me both Mm. um so i've i think the only way i could sort of describe it is like adding more electric guitars and trying to expand out what you would play on an acoustic guitar or um like try and work out if you're just hammering on a cowboy chord for you know a few bars or so uh why are you doing that is there a better way to do it for example in um uh gtfo the chorus bit when i play that live i'm just playing straight chords i'm playing f f sharp diminished c7 of a g a minor and i'm just sort of hammering them on so that i can sort of belt into a microphone but for this it it felt like it needed something more so i came up with a bass line when i was in the demo stage and i sort of re-recorded all the guitars in the uh, chorus so that they follow that line the because it just felt like a better use of space Do you, do you feel like that goes for a lot of the songs on the album of like hopefully. just <laughs> trying to u- utilize the space um, a lot more? Uh, hopefully, otherwise, what's the point? Um, that's uh, I think the way I tend to write, as you've mentioned before, is a lot of rock guitarists. So the core parts don't tend to change. It's more like what I've been adding on top of them, or like how certain parts get split off into the bass or how certain parts uh get split off uh you know into harmonies and left and right and what's the appropriate time to bring things in right it's a a weird one to answer i'm sorry i'm being really unhelpful here no no not at all not at all um i mean i didn't even think to ask this before but like as far as taking like a single guitar part which is what you come to the podcast with you know here's the guitar part and here's the vocals you know um it was there like a certain like like could you list like like a few artists or a few albums who like had a big influence on you in terms of expanding out these guitar parts and like i don't know someone whose arrangements or production you admire who actually like influenced this album i mean 
the the big shocker. Uh, who you'd never saw this coming. <laughs> um, but like albums like uh, Sheer Heart Attack, Night at the Opera, Day at the Races, just the orchestration of those, particularly the orchestration of guitars in relation to everything else, continues to blow my mind. Um, uh, and I've got nowhere near that at all. But I just love uh, moments where you can bring in harmonies and they're doing separate things or you can just overdub things onto each other. Um, oddly enough, a big one in terms of trying to fit guitar parts together was Foo Fighters. Uh, uh, I can kind of hear that, actually. Because uh. obviously they've got three guitarists and while they have Pat Smear playing on a baritone guitar, they've still got to try and find things for the other guitarists to do. So... One of my favourite things to do is once you've got a core guitar part, uh, like uh, try and find the fun inversions up and down the neck that fill out the space in appropriate moments. So, for example, in Lucky Numbers, you've got uh, like the the main guitar part, which I think I just took off the bass note, but it's more or less how it was played on the electric guitar. Uh, then you add in like the bass with the fifth below it. Uh, to get like mm. a bit of grunt there and then you add in like something about around the 8th or ninth fret to add a bit of that top end brightness to it when you need it but also right. kind of being aware that you don't need that all the time like for example uh, in in the lap of the gods revisited on the end of sheer heart attack you end up with most of the guitar stuff that's being done there isn't like it sounds massive but it's basically a combination of piano guitar doing a single note line for most of it and bass so it's sort of being careful not to clutter things definitely i don't think i, I succeeded with it, but i tried <laughs> i mean not to sound like i'm just blowing smoke up your ass but you know i really like the album and i think one thing that you just absolutely nailed was just that arrangement thing because it's such a guitar heavy album right apathy will get you nowhere it's like it's so guitar heavy but it, it actually avoids that feeling cluttered because i mean the moment you know like the moment you stack three or four guitars doing various things even before you get to mixing just in the arrangement stage you've got to think about how all those things fit together i just think you did such a cool job of like having everything feel powerful but not like you know a cacophony so like how did you do that was it a lot of playing single notes or was it just a lot of just everything's playing something different or like how would you like sum up the main approach to that uh, it's mainly different parts uh, and trying to remember what the key line is in each case um, so for example you might have something that's a bit power chordy in the middle you might end up with something that's got like the fifth and the third at the top you might end up with single notes as, uh, in the lower end as well but the thing as well with guitar is trying to make sure to use your pickup selector <laughs> right make sure, you, make sure you're not just record because if you're recording with different tones there's not so much you can do on your amp short of just twiddling the um tone knob up and down which would just take off all the trouble in the world but at least if you're changing the pick you're trying to be conscious of that sort of stuff then you know stuff can hopefully fit a bit better into an eq picture yeah i I'm not an expert on EQ. This, I am very amateur hour. Um, but if 
it's different stuff if it's slightly different tones it's just a bit more interesting to listen to than the standard double tracking left and right kind of feel mm-hmm. uh, which is fine it's great that exists for a reason but you know um if you're trying to add more texture to something recording something three times exactly the same uh with exactly same guitar tone amp settings and everything doesn't necessarily give you the best results it's a skill you need to know but it's (laughs) not always the skill that's applicable this is it's something something that i'm actually learning like from you right now because i've got a telecaster with like one working pickup and I record everything with it, including double tracking. So I need to change that. So um, thank you for that. Well, this is alone. why I loved having the Brian May guitar because uh, it's got the p- individual pickup selectors and phase selectors. I just wish my Taylor Caster had that. I'd be such uh-huh. a happy bunny if it did. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, were there any notable challenges in the recording of the album? Um, trying not to annoy my roommates too much. That was a big one. Um, because you recorded all uh, this from much, home. I should say. Pretty much, yeah. The only bits that aren't are the couple of bits that you did, uh, the vocals from uh, friends who turned up at the end, and Itunu's drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, everything else is just done in uh, a room. So uh, trying to be sensible about volume and taking too many takes at something but also trying to get it right and uh, you know, a hard balance to strike i imagine it is yeah particularly when the walls are so thin yeah um, uh i think the only sort of song difficulty there was was trying to get improvised to work because for some reason the i trying to get a demo together for that one which felt right was super super tricky at which point i just said sod it uh just recorded it fast and then it was like <laughs> oh okay that'll do so that's like a lesson of when in doubt record it fast <laughs> that's basically my philosophy like if it's not working faster and harder if that's not working scrap it <laughs> again another one i'm gonna have to bear in mind in future um because it's it's like an album that's um personal to you and where you grew up and uh sort of making a move and all this sort of thing do you feel like there was a a cathartic element to this album for you like i put down here like lyrically or creatively i mean it's nice to get some of these songs finished and done that's the annoying thing of like part of the reason why I moved was to try and connect to uh, a rock scene in Bristol, which I completely failed to do. Um, and just bringing when you're meeting other people that you think, oh, okay, this could be a cool situation to uh, like form a band or like, um, you know, just letting people know I have these songs. Here's standard. I can write songs. Number one. Um, uh, it's, it's just, nice to say even if i do try and like uh join up with some sort of band while i'm up here i can just point and say i can do that cool <laughs> i don't need to be here in person to play you the damn thing anymore um but uh it's also there are a couple of ideas i've had for specific songs for a while uh 
like the chorus at the end of uh air in the sea that has just been living in my head for ages or like the beginning of gtfo uh which it's just nice to have that out of my head and done <laughs> like yeah. i don't have to daydream about it anymore i know how it sounds definitely there is that thing of just like like that exists now and like there's something really thing. satisfying about like something living in your head and then bring it out into the real world where you can show it to people and you go that's what i was thinking this whole time <laughs> mm. it's always nice yep. i imagine you've had that quite a lot over the years <laughs> uh yeah definitely i mean it's the, the stuff the whole reason people do anything and it paint or write a book so you can go this is what i meant you know i'm not crazy <laughs> do you understand me now um i was i was thinking about like favorite songs on the album um for me personally, um, my favorite for age because obviously I've been listening to the album like as you've been mixing it, and like obviously I heard the demos, like so I've kind of been. I'm there surprised from the start. you're not sick of it yet. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, like Redmond Barry was my favorite for the longest time, but just recently, since the album came out um, last week, um, my favorite I think is "Shape My Days." Um, but I was okay. wondering what what your favorite song on the album is. Oh, don't. Don't get me to pick favourites. I mean, I know this they're all difficult. your babies, but... Well, I can tell you it's not improvise. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of improvise. trouble that song gave me. <laughs> He's not your baby. <laughs> um, there are ones that I I like in the sense that if I wanted to like try and push them to other people, sort of demonstrate this is the kind of music that I make, I would point into those ones. So GTFO is one of those. Uh, you Should Be Yourself, I think, came out really well. Um, mm. Running at the back of the crowd is the one I've set as the uh, demonstrator on uh, Bandcamp. And it's also one that I've sent in to BBC Introducing. So fingers crossed they like that. They probably won't. They didn't play anything off a captive audience. But I'm not better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so running at the back of the crowd is kind of like the... You don't do singles, we will say that, but the closest you'll get to that, maybe. Yeah, that if I was doing a single, that would probably be it. Uh, but I like how Lucky Numbers came out as well, uh, because it's got a stupidly over-the-top bridge. And then <laughs> I, I just loved the way the recording ended up on uh, Air in the Sea. It was pain in the ass to mix, but <laughs> it came out nice, so I'm happy. Well, the end of Air in the Sea has got like what like 25 tracks or something wait actually no i'm thinking of it kind of the wrong way but at least like over 10 tracks for sure right i think you're closer with 25 um <laughs> uh yeah i don't know when to stop i would have been terrible in the tape age uh <laughs> <laughs> you would have worn it until it was see-through pretty much it would have snapped in several places uh <laughs> yeah um but I, I like I like most of them. I hope I can get some enjoy. I mean, I hate listening to it because it's me. But that's the same with literally everything I create ever. I think loads of people say that. Like, I think it's rare for people to listen to their own stuff and actually like really like it. It's weird because, like, I imagine like you go, "I'm proud of it. I like it. The songs are good." Blah 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 blah. But as far as yeah, I know what you mean. I think a lot of people are quite. The but same. I still don't want to be in the room when it's on. <laughs> exactly. Um... So uh a little bit about the uh 
lyrics. Um, in Lucky Numbers, you say, um, you know, you have the whole chorus, like, deliver on a promise I made to my young self, which I think is, to me, listening to the album and kind of knowing somewhat what it's about for you personally, it's like, um, that seems like quite a poignant lyric. Deliver on a promise I made to my young self. Like, why do you want to get out? Why do you want to kind of go and do these things? So to me, that stood up. But I was wondering to you, is there like a lyric which you feel sums up the album to you or is particularly stand out in terms of the thematics of the album you love putting you on the spot don't you um (laughs) that's what this is all about we're not putting uh, you on the spot but you know asking you questions i mean i suppose there's one idea that kind of encapsulates it it's the first line of Red and Barry, like the if I could uproot myself when everything gets out of hand, I'd try to be a better man than Linda never got to be. Mm. Like, uh, I think that's kind of what I ended up putting on Instagram when I uh, posted the album. There, it's like it's an album about like losing direction and trying to be better. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose that's the most direct thing you could say about it. Uh, other than that, it's literally just the first time of the album. Due to the fact, I've got to get away. <laughs> that <laughs> I was only wondering works, if you might but, use that uh, one, but that only works for like the first half. So, right, right, yeah. I mean, I this difficult with any album is I don't imagine there's one lyric that just like sums up the whole thing, or else you wouldn't have made the whole album. But um, I just I was interested. You to just know make that, that one line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just that's it. It's just my um, bold artistic statements. There's about ten seconds of audio. <laughs> <laughs> um so a couple of quick fire ones to finish off to finish this off um chords we talk about chords all the time right um is there a song on the album or like even a particular passage where whose chords you're really proud of and you go i'm so proud of that like section or the way that changes from one chord to the next um i, I will say redmond like barry the... comes to mind in my mind but i was wondering what you thought Redman Barry was fun, but that was kind of like an exercise in like, okay, I've got to get all the way up the chromatic scale and all the way back down again. Um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of like core cool passages, I actually kind of like the uh, the uh, acoustic sequence on uh, Lucky Numbers. Yeah, yeah. Where you're going from, you know, uh, the major to the uh flattened fifth of the same thing uh and then you're just sh- throwing in some uh major sevenths and some minors in there as well like there's there's only one bit that's weird but it's just enough to put it on edge which i like like it's it's almost pop but not quite <laughs> <laughs> almost pop but not quite no that was definitely a cool section <clears throat> particularly as it was acoustic in in an otherwise pretty like electrified um environment musically i did debate putting that on like a clean acoustic but it just didn't feel right so just stayed acoustic i think it works well and also just um, an observation about the album is that when there are acoustic guitars they really sing because they are in contrast with a lot of like um electric guitar overdubs and and again the arrangement and the orchestration of the guitars on the album is really quite admirable i think that you well, you've got like this orchestra of, of all these different guitar parts on the album, which is really cool. Thank you. You're really sweet. Um, 
No, seriously, that's that's um, one of the standout things to me. I really like that. Um, so <laughs> I've got this uh, one last thing I was wondering. Um, if you could describe the album in five words, what would they be? I'm going to cut out this pause so that it looks like he responded instantly and I had an answer ready to go. <laughs> that's what podcasts are all about. Mm. Uh, self-doubt, home, connections, guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. It's, it's part of the design document, just line one, guitars. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, um, I mean, just as a, like a summary on my part, like, I just think it's such a good album of, and it just sounds really good. Um, anyone who likes your songs um, and has listened to to your stuff on the podcast and go, I really like Declan's stuff. This album's like that, but plugged in. So, um, so the opposite check of it the out. unplugged sets from MTV. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and for if you want to hear the album, it's available at DeclanKitchener.bandcamp.com. Um, is it going to be on Spotify and Apple Music like later on or? Yes, when that eventually clears. I put it up a bit too late to have it out at the same time. But it's available at Bandcamp at the moment, and it will be available on Spotify eventually, one day, at some point. And, and plus, like if you if you want to support um, support the album and uh, check it out, then Bandcamp's probably the best port, first port of call anyway, isn't it? Because it's, uh, you know, better than Spotify and Apple Music in, in a lot of senses. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I highly encourage everybody to check the album out and listen to it in full. Um, it's a really good piece of work. So congratulations on it. Thank you very much. It means a lot coming from you, like, cause you produce some absolutely amazing stuff and you saying that stuff about, uh, about my little weird audio experiments, uh, is very nice and it, it means a lot. So thank you. Comes from the heart. I mean it. God, we're getting too mushy again. So we've had an email uh, in this week from Ansley Hendricks. Uh, that was an awesome last name, um, which uh, goes thusly. Hello, Roger and Declan. My name is Ansley Hendricks, and I'm an aspiring professional singer-songwriter who is also blind. I've been listening to the Weekly Song Podcast for a while now, and I love your music and your insight into songwriting. If I may, I'd like to share a song I wrote in January 2020. It's probably the most personal of the four I've written so far. So Easy So Hard is a vulnerable look at how life has its ups and downs. I think the hardest part was allowing myself to use adjectives and nouns that evoked a sense of fear, pain, alone and unsure. I apologise if it sounds depressing. In fact, I was hoping for the opposite. My goal as a songwriter is to write music that both my listeners and I can relate to. I never want to write anything fake or inauthentic. Thank you for your podcast and your time listening to this. Well, Thank you for sending that in. We'll have a listen to that one now. So... Uh, this is So Easy, So Hard by Ansley Hendricks.
That was So Easy, So Hard by Asley Hendricks. I quite like that one. That's really nice. Um, Me too. Yeah, uh, it didn't sound depressing at all. It actually sounded quite hopeful uh, to me. Like it, uh, as you were saying, like it uh, has this kind of optimistic sort of slant on it. Like uh, you know, it will be difficult, but like things will get better. I think the tonality of the chords really helps with that. Yeah, definitely. It, it sounded to me like, uh, well, I mean, first of all, I really liked it. It was touching, um, which is a word I don't often use for music i guess but um it kind of felt like one of those sort of like hopeful moments in a disney film and i mean that in the best possible way where um you know somebody kind of they have gone through some hard stuff but they they suddenly realize that um there's sort of a light at the end of the tunnel um and also i must say i really liked the um the quality of the recording i know it was like a lo-fi recording but i really liked that about it and um um, I'd highly encourage you, Ansley, to re- release an EP or an album of that type of music. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that was that was that was decent. Like that, one out of one. One out of one. Both, Tons both of fun. My thumbs are up. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Um, yeah, feel free to send um, more in the more you record. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast and for this season as well. Thank you very much for listening along with us, whether you uh, are a returning listener or a first-time listener. That sentence got a little away from me, but I think I pulled it back by the end. Uh, <laughs> we should be back... Stop laughing, you. We should no, be no, back with a new season. admiring you for uh, pulling that <laughs> sentence back. Sorry, do carry on. <laughs> Um, we should be back uh, hopefully at some point soon with a new season, a new set of seven challenges. Uh and seven more songs hopefully um you can find us on instagram and on youtube and on facebook uh to keep up to date with what we're doing when we remember to post things on them uh just search for weekly song podcast on all three of those services uh roger runs uh the instagram so that's always kept up to date i run the youtube so that's why there's nothing on there and we kind of both run the facebook so that's kind of why it's a bit like sporadic (laughs) (laughs) one of us remembers every now and then uh as for our music uh roger where can they find you and your music in the digital sphere i'm just gonna keep doing that from now on this has become my bit (laughs) um so uh bandcamp which is rogerheathers.bandcamp.com uh i released a single last friday and it's called help me julia if you listen to the season you know what i'm talking about i don't know what i'm saying if it's like a new thing um but like properly produced up version of help me julia um, it's good and uh and then i've got like I've made loads of albums and they're all up on the bandcamp also some of which um, are available for free as well true true absolutely um also another good place to follow me is instagram which is at roger heathers um i've started posting loads of stuff of like recording and and like songwriting videos and that sort of thing and all that good stuff so yeah that's me um where can people find your music Declan? uh you can find me at uh youtube and facebook at Declan. uh just search for Declan kitchener music uh facebook will just be me occasionally posting things when i remember i've got it and youtube <laughs> is basically me doing a load of covers um, you can also find my music at DeclanKitchener.bandcamp.com where you can find uh, my EP The Captive Audience and the album that we were talking about earlier uh, Apathy Will Get You Nowhere Absolutely and well worth checking out I mean you heard me gushing before but it's a really good album and uh, yeah just really really worth checking out by the way I want to say um, 
thank you to everybody who uh, who bought stuff last Bandcamp Friday. I mean, we always say it and hope that people will whenever it's Bandcamp Friday, but you guys actually went to our Bandcamps and bought stuff, which was really encouraging and cool. So thank you. Yes, it always it means a lot, and uh, it's, it it's just makes our days. So thank you so much. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can uh, write an email, uh, as opposed to any other kind of mail, to weeklysongpodcast.gmail.com, whether you've written a song, uh, whether you just have something that you want to say, uh, just whether you just want to hurry us back on air and want to take away our free time, which we need to recharge and go back into the world, except we can't because the world is ending. Although not so much anymore, but, you know, still still ending. It's 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 like the doom level is now to nine point five rather than a ten. So like you know, hooray! Hooray! Nine point five. <laughs> what a cheery note to end on. Uh, so we shall see you uh, next season then. Uh, ta-ra, ta-ra.